You're listening to Almost Diplomatic, DC-based podcast that discusses geopolitics, national security, a whole bunch of nonsense over beers. And as a disclaimer, the views and comments made during this episode are those of the participants and do not represent any entity that they volunteer with or are employed by. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome to Almost Diplomatic. I'm your host, Ryan Young, and joining me today is... Sean McGuffin. Uh, and Lex Cardone. And we're recording on August 23rd, 2020. So guys, welcome back. Or Good to back. be back. Okay no, to be back. <laughs> oh, fine to be back. <laughs> fair, fair. That's, that hurts my feelings a little bit, but you know, that's okay. Uh, it should be great to be back, um, just so you know. Um, so we're talking about Belarus today and all the insanity that's been going on the last couple of weeks. Um, it's kind of popped out of nowhere almost. It's not really popped out of nowhere. It's kind of saw it coming for like a mile away, but it happened anyway. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to discuss what we're drinking today. So, Lex, what are you drinking? Uh, well, today I'm taking a different road and I'm drinking water, um, doing this new thing where I uh, I'm trying to work out after we record today, and I realized I was—I've been getting out of breath walking up and down the stairs in my apartment. <laughs> um, so thinking that may be a sign from God or Putin or whoever that you know. Just Same thing. One day, yeah, just 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 get it together, bro. But so uh, I'm—I'll be your designated driver today. Okay, Kevin. So I gotta take over for Kevin since he's no longer <laughs> with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That Not makes I, it sound like he died. He's, de- he's well, dead to me. He's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, yeah. Sean, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I don't have stairs in my apartment. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm not an elitist like Lexus. So uh, I I just have a lovely blue moon right now. Um, yeah. Pretty simple. Very cool. So. I went what to concoction is in your <laughs> in your cup right now? So I went to Publix and I found this randomly walking around when we were shopping. Um, and I found a hard seltzer. Okay. And it's called Basic. Basic. <laughs> yep. Well, you have a basic hard seltzer. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> There's definitely marketing to uh, their demographic there. And it's, I... it's, it's a hard seltzer with a hint of pamplemousse. Pamplemousse? Great. I don't know. I don't That's know. French for grapefruit. Uh, okay. And at, at the top what's of the, the can... What is it? What, what's the ABV on that? Uh, four and a half. Okay. So you're also basically drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> I have to drive cool. later to get... I have to drive later to get more... So I'm in, I'm in the Outer Banks right now with a couple of friends, and we need to go uh, get more beer later, so I'm the one with the Fair. car. Uh, but the top of the can, it says, Don't text your ex. Hit us up instead. It is 312-500-6627. So I demand that you text that number at some point and just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I need more basic. Please yeah. help me be basic. And? It's not bad. What are the flavor, what, the flavor profiles all right? Mm-hmm. It tastes like water. <laughs> okay, uh, it's, yep. it's, it's a hint of grapefruit, but mostly water. Nice. Again... Their, uh, the description is very on point. Basic with a little bit of French grapefruit. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. 
Speaking of basic, <laughs> Belarus. What a segue! World's <laughs> greatest transition, right there. I mean, I try, I try. You know, I. I no, you don't. Making podcasting great again. <laughs> uh, but um, no. So about two weeks ago, the um, Belarus had their presidential election, and then Alexander Lukashenko. One with 80% of the vote, which, but then about 100,000 people went to the streets protesting that he didn't because it seems a lot like he, uh, he definitely like over gambled with that one. He's like 80%. That's a lot. That's a lot. He's been in power for about 26 years. And essentially, well, the, uh, yeah, what, what was it? The international election monitors said it was something like that, but the other way, the legitimate mm-hmm. vote. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean the problem the problem is that you that popped up from it is just that the the massive crackdown. Well, um, and and his opposition candidate had to then flee the country to Lithuania, and the only reason she was running is because her husband, who was a presidential candidate, got arrested, and so then she started running in his place. Not a good start. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the the crackdowns have been pretty brutal. Apparently, there's like I was watching this video clip of um, this young girl, maybe 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 in her early twenties, if not younger, and she was basically like held with a bunch of other people in a small confined area. People were put like in like kneeling positions and like had rifles put to their head, and then she they, apparently they pulled down her pants and said, "Well, we will rape you, and nothing would ever no one ever do anything about it." That kind of stuff, and she was yeah. just like shook by all that. Obviously, I mean, anyone would. So it's yeah. like it's kind of it's like so significant human rights abuses are happening during this uh, crackdown, the, the, mostly the police so far, right? But it doesn't seem to be slowing the momentum of, 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 of uh, the protests, right? It's um, it's still pretty widespread, and you're getting massive demonstrations every day. Yeah, and it's very like patriotic. Yeah. People people are like using like some of the older flags of uh, Belarus to kind of protest against Lukashenko. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the symbolism of those new flags? Like they were the original flag after the breakup of the Soviet Union, and then Lushenko took over in '94 and kind of revamped it. Um, I, I, but I'm sure those are fascist. People are going to say they're fascist flags or something because that's what they always do in these kind of situations. Oh, of course, because that's basically like, yeah. you know, it's always it's like they always like back to like the harbor back to like the Nazi era, just like oh, you know, the fascist, the fascist, the fascist. When it's like because they're because the, they're a Soviet state for you know many many years. Well, well, that and then the current Belarusian flag is the exact same one they had under the Soviet Union. They just took the hammer and sickle off of it. They're like, oh yeah, we'll keep the rest of it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. The uh, what's interesting about the protests is that uh, is that at least speaking of the flags, all of them have been uh, the red and white, uh, the red and white like yellow Russian flag, or every now and then they'll throw like a coat of arms in there. There haven't been any, say, like European Union flags or any flags of anywhere else so far, which is at least different than, you know, the one everyone compares this to is the protests in Ukraine from a couple years ago now, where it's yes, so far only been that. There's no significant. It's um, it's pretty much entirely focused on Lutschenko. Um, There's no significant pro-EU anti-Russian uh, component of even the opposition politicians want a continued strong relationship with Russia based on a whole lot of cultural, economic, and 
simply geographical factors. Yeah. Yeah. With Lukashenko coming out and saying, I'd rather die than to have new elections. Well, yeah. <laughs> which makes it harder for Putin to come in and be like, well, this is a Western plot when even, even if Lukashenko's already saying that. So. Well, Russia is basically, their response has been like, we'll help you, we'll protect you from foreign, a foreign invasion, essentially. Yeah. That's kind of like as far as like the Russian supporters could go. Well, well, then, then, uh, Russian Belarusian relations have always been, you know, we're, we're your favorite country, but don't get too close. Cause forever now, Russia has been, I mean, you know, they have a treaty on the books for 20 years ago called the Union State, where eventually Belarus and Russia become the same country. And even a couple months ago, that discussion was brought up again of, you know, hey, Belarus, do you want to do you want to join the Russian Federation? And everyone has essentially said no. But at the same time, it's not like they're trying to yeah, join. Everyone, the U, even but, Lushenko is like, that's a terrible idea. There's no support for that. Well, um, we we. We saw a kind of somewhat breaks from Russia after the, U- the Ukraine situation, actually the annexation of Crimea and the you know the little war that's going on half the country. Um, you know, they basically say, oh shit, they could do that to us. That's not great. Then also, you know, they they are so reliant on Russian petroleum, uh, you know, and oil and all that stuff. So it's kind of like what they they rely on them so much that they can't really get away from them. And that Russia's used that to like, leverage against them at different points, but then it's like they also have a relationship. Like um, they are the they're part of the the Collective Security Treaty Organization or anti NATO. <laughs> it's basically a military alliance. They're like one of six countries, um, and that's kind of and they're also they share an air defense network with, with Russia too. Yeah, but Russia not. has two different Russia has two different military bases in the country, but. Uh, and they are the biggest trade partner by far, both in energy and everything else. Uh, and they've kind of had certain amounts of economic integration with Russia and its greater organizations. But uh, I think at the beginning of this year, 2020, uh, they uh, they did not renew their at least m- most recently active uh, oil natural gas treaty, uh, essentially over debates of who gets subsidies, who gets them, what amount. And Russia trying to at least squeeze a bit more out of Belarus, and then also use that as a leverage for greater concessions in various ways. So pivoting a little bit, let's talk about the reaction from outside of Belarus. So what has the EU's reaction mostly been? Which I've seen is, I've mostly just seen they've rejecting the re-election and that they, they bow sanctions, but... Who knows when those could come up? EU is not a fast-moving machine. Yeah, they've had generally, you know, support for the protests and denouncing the extremely obvious election tampering going on. But I think them and most other countries are kind of holding their breath to see what happens. Uh, I mean, like the the UK declared that they do not recognize. Uh, Lushenko, and I think a couple of the people have done that. Outside of that, I there hasn't been that much movement on you know, from the NATO European Union side outside of just you know posturing. So what about NATO? What is NATO's response been besides like, well, we're watching it, <laughs> and we're not trying to invade Belarus. Yeah, 
Uh, um, according has it been pretty much the same as the EU response? Or well, uh, according to Lyshenko, NATO has been moving troops onto its border from Poland to Lithuania, and then NATO's response was, "We're definitely not doing that, and you're absolutely making this up." Which, yeah, sounds sounds about right so far. Yeah, it, it seems like Lukashenko is basically making a uh, a kind of. He's trying to make it, make it. He's trying to get people to rally around the flag against an outside threat. So he's like, NATO is a, that outside threat. So he's moving troops to the border. He's wearing military fatigues all the time, like kind of yeah, living that living that dictator lifestyle. Earlier, yeah, but it's, earlier it's earlier today. He uh, there's a video of him getting off a helicopter holding a uh, holding an assault rifle in like military <laughs> garb, just like. Just like walking around <laughs> holding the rifle in his hand and looking really tough, which yeah. is a really small dick move. Like it's, I mean, it, it. You kind of believe it when somebody like Putin does it, but when a guy who, with his weird 1980s mustache and like, you know, a, a, a figure that looks like a guy who ran a collective farm or a state, a collective factory back in Soviet times, like he's literally straight out of central casting as like well, he, the he, new what, Soviet man who's just a fucking fat slob. <laughs> well, he did run. I think he was like a director of like a collective farm or something like that. Yeah, that's what he that was his, Yeah, and he still models the econ- the economy is still based around these several state-owned industries that sort of follow much more than Russia does the uh, that kind of Soviet planned economy mindset. No, no wonder their economy is doing so well. Yeah, it's uh, they, hint. It's not, but <laughs> they, they they were able to weather at least partially. Uh, uh, the 2008 recession somewhat because they're like well we don't really depend on the market anyway so moving on but uh, uh since then especially with like disagreements with russia over oil revenues and you know transfer or uh, transfer fees and stuff like that it hasn't been doing great right now and when you then clearly uh rig an election and then you can't even give people like jobs or goods it uh-huh. You quickly become very unpopular, which is uh, yeah. exactly what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and you have this interesting situation because people, in, you know, when there's a revol- there's a protest in Eastern Europe, everybody always compares it to, oh, this is Ukraine, Georgia, uh, Armenia a couple years ago. Um, but in this situation, it's very interesting because you've got, I mean, again, the police and security services and a lot of the... Uh, um, sort of Belarusian, like small little brother of the Russian North, uh, the Russian oligarchs, the oligarchs there, they're wired into the regime. Um, but the big sponsor is um, of, you know, his, the, the Belarus's big sponsor, Russia, the Putin government. Um, they don't really, um, they want to, they want, want, they want to keep Belarus in, or they want to keep Lushenko in power. They want to keep um, them sort of connected, but um, it seems like, but they also want to do it on a shoestring budget. And as these protests get underway, and as the, it, I mean, these are, this is affecting the Belarusian economy even more. Um, you're getting some movement within Moscow of, um, you know, is like how much are we willing to spend to keep this guy in power when we can just put another guy um, on the on the uh, give him the big chair or figure out a way to make it, you know, uh, more of a dependent relationship, whereas. During the Ukraine crisis, you guys were talking about uh, Belarus kind of was 
making inroads to the U.S. and the EU as a way to, you know, walk the tightrope between the West and the East. Yeah, it makes me question, like, so what if Putin went in the other direction and, like, helps depose Lukashenko? Like, basically be like, I'm the big damn hero, look at me. Yeah, I'm coming in to save our friends. Um, I, I think that would be too much. That would be... Because Putin's naturally a pretty cautious guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't... And, like, you get into a situation like that and you're not even sure if the Belarusian security services are going to be compliant with that. And if they're not, then you're, you're, you got yourself into a huge issue. Because at least in parts of Ukraine, you had things roll over pretty quickly because of that issue that was there, the Russians in a foreign land. Well, maybe they'll and, just have maybe they'll just have tea. Yeah, um, <laughs> just, just like Nimbleni. Oh God. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I I don't expect the Russians to try to put someone in there. I mean, they they didn't try to get rid of Assad back when he was right. on a shoestring, and especially when one of the few things people agree with in the country is that we don't want to be integrated into Russia. I don't think anybody placed there by... I don't think anybody that the Russians would really like in there is going to have a lot of popular support. Yeah, they don't want to... I mean, this is, as we've said, this isn't like a anti-Russia, pro-West movement. It's just anti-Lushenko and anti-election tampering. So I don't think they want to bet more. Or they don't want to get more. As it, you know, Putin's a pretty cautious guy. I don't think he wants to bite off more than he can chew in this. Yeah. Now, now, with that, now, with that said, that doesn't mean that just because that's our view, maybe it doesn't end up doing that anyway. Because, yeah. you know, who knows what information or if they see an opportunity, it's like, oh, well, if we do get our guy in there, then we can get even more out of this relationship than we had before. Yeah. I definitely don't think that'll go well, though. No. But, like, they also don't want this, you know, a triumphant. This this woman who's now hiding in Lithuania, um, they don't want a triumphant, you know, like democratic, f- fair vote, fair this and that. You got to keep if you're Putin, you have to keep um, Belarus hobbled um, because then you look great by comparison. You got to maintain the status quo. Yeah, like Navalny was before he was poisoned, came out and said, "This is what we're trying to this kind of anti, you know, not." You know, it's not about geopolitical. It's a purely domestic. We don't like Lushenko. We and, and Navalny was saying this. We don't. We don't want a Putin dictatorship either. Um, and then, yeah. Well, <laughs> we saw well, what happened there. Well, well, I mean, but because of that, I could see, I could see a scenario where either uh, she comes back or someone similar as does kind of take up that mantle. Because as long as, uh, as long as they don't try to like publicly or really overtly like lean towards the European Union and NATO. I, I think as long, you know, like, you know, stay with us on our side and then sort your shit out. Like I could, I could definitely see Russia kind of not really having the time to, to, to go in and try to prop up a guy who, even if he gets through this, isn't going to be, you know, he's not going to be around for another 10 years, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's impossible to know. But like the odds of success with these kind of domestic uh, movements with very little outside backing, it's it's not a great ratio of success yeah. to failure. So yeah. odds are he's going to be fine and get through this. 
the question is in what state is he going to be more indebted to Russia? Is he going to be, you know, let's okay, let's do a referendum in a year and we'll fake those votes just like we faked the election um, this time around and, and, and just to draw things until people stop paying attention and the EU and NATO and us stop issuing our strongly worded letters. <laughs> well, I mean, so we, we kind of we, we brought it up briefly, but like. Could the situation turn up, turn into another Euromaidan? Um, it depend. Maybe if there's more of a crackdown and you get just more anger, but I don't know. It's because it's just so different from that whole. Because it's based on the simple matter of an election fraud, whereas yeah. there was a whole in Ukraine. There was a whole deal with um, you know European integration treaties and EU bilateral EU Ukraine agreements. Um, that were torpedoed in a very, um, in a way that kind of shocked everyone. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea. So. I, I think the only way, yeah, like you said, like, the only way it could happen is if there's more crackdowns and the police keep fucking people. I mean, I know that they've deployed the military in some parts. Basically, they're, the military's role is to protect uh, monuments. Like, yeah, monuments and stuff. So it's like, because basically, like, look, the military's protecting against fascists. Like, anybody who protests them is going to, like, that. then the army might just light them up. So it's caused more issue. Um, yeah. We'll see. Um, did uh, uh, yeah, they they haven't deployed the military at least directly against them yet. What is interesting though, or uh, interesting and almost funny, uh, like I think the Belarusian um, uh, military on their Twitter account, they released a tweet saying that you know we will not allow fascists to take over our country and a bunch of other stuff. Half of the tweet was in all caps. Um, as if it's trying to just shout to the Belarusian people, like, please stop it. We're, we're getting very annoyed right now. But at the same time, they, I mean, there's, as we speak, or maybe not as we speak, it's 3 p.m. right now, so it's later over there. But earlier today, there was, you know, 100,000 people in the streets. And they kind of protested and did their own thing without as much uh, interference from the police or military even despite kind of blustering and threats of, you know, oh, well, you know, that they might get involved, don't do too much, but that, that just hasn't happened yet. So I think right now it's, they're going to let the protests go on and hope they burn out, which if, if they do try to crack down on it, it could then make the protests go away or it could then enrage and infuriate even more people to where it then gets worse for the regime. Yeah. Yeah, it it could also turn into a east versus west kind of thing too, if because if the crackdowns continue, like the EU will will eventually put sanctions on them, um, and that can basically help either hurt or help the situation depending on who you ask, I guess. But I've seen uh, he's also like they've closed down a lot of news um, news agencies and like pay, even state run papers, basically to stop them from talking yeah. about any of this. But, then, but, but, but Telegram still exists, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and there's also been a lot of the news, uh, news stations retiring or joining in these general strikes. So you see a lot of these domestic Belarusian uh, either just showing pre-recorded tapes of old programs or just a blank desk where the news anchors would be sitting. So yeah. It's, it's pretty... Yeah, I mean, I, apparently like, he brought in like, some Russian journalists to better cover the situation. Or something like that. It was. I was like, nah, okay. okay. 
okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it was one of there. There was an RT. I think I think it was RT at least uh, anchor that said they should send in the polite people, which is yes. what put, put, yeah Putin's word for the little green men. Yes. Um. At uh at at what point do you think it would or do you think at any point Russia would start sending in little green men? Well, it depends what they what they'd be doing. If it was to help crush this, I mean, the problem is that the narrative would switch to anti-Russian because it's like an external threat coming in, or it'd be like it depends it depends what they're doing. If they're doing this to help the protesters, then they'd be welcomed, probably. Maybe who knows? It, you go back, you go either way. But I think it's like like uh, Lex was saying earlier. Uh, Putin's pretty cautious, so it'd be like it's a pretty be a pretty big dick move to do that shit right mm-hmm. in the middle of all of this. Um, yeah, and you don't have the easy like I, I don't. There's not the ethnic component. There's not the you know. I mean, I, I I'm not as familiar with the demographics of Belarus, but or the distinctions between you know the Belarusian language and culture and the Russian language and culture. Obviously, they're very related, but there's not like a, an easy geographic um, wedge point where you can just rush in and make like a you know a, a sort of a cold um, a frozen conflict type situation. I, and I know in a place like Belarus, which is part as Sean was saying, which it's a part of the Union state which means, and it's part of, there's a whole bunch of economic integration between the two countries. Um, that would just cause pr- problems and headaches that I don't think the Russians need at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It, it could be, it's, it could be a great situation for them if the right things happen, but I don't know if it can go the way they might be. This is too good of a, you know, a, a situation to pass up or to like to really you know, like basically install a puppet regime or something like that in Belarus. Like, here's some buffer. Here's NATO buffer for us. But but that's the thing, though. We're not. We're it's Belarus. Like this is a this is a country that people for the longest time have already considered very similar to that. That it's already the closest ally that uh, that Russia has in all of Europe. So I like. And even with that, they're still having difficulties with the guy in charge of it. So, like, it, they could go in and try to install someone who's even more so. But at least I don't think that'll happen because, well, you're, you, I mean, you already have the best thing you have. This is already the best thing you have in Europe. That That's a huge risk to try to get something even better out of it when, you know, yeah, this, yeah. this is about as good as it gets right now. When it when it comes to that, I I think of one thing. I think of uh, Russia's uh, invasion of Afghanistan, and I was like, "We're here to help you." And then they killed off all the leadership and replaced them with somebody they liked. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I mean, that's 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 still like that'd be pretty aggressive for Russia to do nowadays. I mean, they're pretty like, like let's do like more non traditional and uh, hybrid warfare kind of stuff. But but that but that is that is what they did in. Ukraine uh, with, you know, surprising speed and surprising efficiency. And I mean, if if the Russians didn't like the backlash of the European Union and the United States and the world at large when they annexed parts of Ukraine and caused the other half to be in permanent civil war, the idea of them doing that up against, uh, you know, in Belarus that then goes up against, you know, Poland and Lithuania and a bunch of other states, that would freak everyone out. 
uh, instantly. And then I can't think of a better way to then get, uh, you know, the European partners of NATO extremely invested in their own defense and a bunch of other stuff more than the Russians trying to be very aggressive or very heavy handed in Belarus mm-hmm. like that. Uh, the, the long term effects, I don't think would end up well for uh, for the Russians in any way. But then say if, say if the, you know, Lukashenko does leave and I mean, he, if he leaves, he's probably going to, if he actually steps down, which I doubt, you know, maybe he will die in office. Who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he, he, uh, he'll hang out with Yanukovych somewhere in Russia. Is there like a, yeah. a club or a golf course those retired Russian online dictators go to? I mean, they're probably. called gulags. They're called gulags. <laughs> the get it right. Farm upstate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, to a special th- that's farm. the other because I mean, yeah, we think I think we're on the same page. Russian like direct and direct intervention invention is unlikely. But on the flip side, what Novlenny was talking about kind of rings true here because if you have a situation where the um, um, a protest without any obvious connection to your um, uh, a connection to the EU or Western or liberal democracy or all that stuff. Um, you have a domestic protest come up and take down a reigning dick, a, a guy who's been reigning for 26 years. Um, what does that say to Russia with many of many similar problems? Or what does that say to the Russian people who are were recently out on the streets um, based on a very sketchy um, constitutional referendum? Um, now, you know, so I think that's also playing into as cautious and cagey as um, uh, Putin is. He's also a guy known to make sort of gut level instinctual decisions that often that sometimes work out like it did in Crimea or sometimes, you know, blow up in his face. So he's definitely thinking about that. And and, and to your point there, uh the Belarus is very, I mean, the name of it is, you know, white Russia. They're very similar in various ways, at least compared to most other countries. So to your point, it's that, oh, you can say that these other people did that or these other people did this. But if this is a country that's close enough to you culturally that you want to integrate it into your own country, and then they have some type of democratic reform, you know, that it's like, well, those people are really similar to us. That's not exactly a great look for an authoritarian. Yeah. There's no country more similar to Russia than Belarusia. God, that sounds like something Tom Friedman would say. But it's like well, it's, it's stupid like, op-ed. <laughs> like the um, well, the, the the opposition leader Svetlana Tegnoskaya. I think I'm saying that right. Tegnoskaya. Whatever. Great Hopefully job. Right. Excellent. Close yeah. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. My, one of my many skills is not be able to say people's names right. Uh, um, if you're listening to this, we apologize for mispronouncing your name. Please add us on Twitter, and we'll we'll correct it, and you can join the podcast. We'd love to have you. That'd be great. Apparently, she's going to be meeting with the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State in the next couple of days. Okay. So it's like, no, we'll see how this could go. That, could, that so that's why it'd be, it'd be Russia might try to involve if, if like Western support for her starts going up, and because people looked at it, it, most likely she probably won the election. If they, I mean, he rigged it. It's also I can't get over. It's like 
He could have like made it closer and made it more believable, but he made it 80%. Yeah. The haters love the big numbers, like Saddam Hussein's 99% voted for me and the other one. Yeah, like, it's just insane. But I guess for the from the U.S. perspective, there's a risk of getting involved in this situation. And like you said, to give uh, the Russians and the Luchenkos of the world um, the ammo to say this is a Western back, this and that. I mean, we saw kind of what went down in Venezuela when there was this big movement. And then... You know, the opposition leader was declared president while the while the president was still there, and a lot of like a lot a, re- a lot of slow reaction time from governments in Europe and the U.S. And now they're in a situation where that protest and movement is kind of done um, for any. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but it's 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 lost much of its momentum that it had. Oh yeah, so. totally. What I think would be interesting as far as the future of Belarus in Europe is if instead of going the Russia route or instead of going the European Union route, uh, if they tried to pull a Finland or, you know, started doing what's called Finlandization, where they basically make themselves as, as unthreatening as possible while not really picking a side. Uh, the chances of that happening for Belarus are smaller because, well, they're right in the middle and they're you know, the Russians care a lot about this country, but it's it's a possibility that I think would, at least if I'm Belarus, would be the best of both worlds where I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not heavily influenced by a, you know, uh, by by my large foreign power. But at the same time, I'm not joining any type of economic or, you know, other bloc that is then threatening to that same country. That's currently my closest partner in every single measure, to be honest. Yeah, I think it could go in that direction. I mean, we've seen the Belarus kind of was doing that anyway, like having more talks with the West. And the, I, I think like the last year, or so we I think we were talking about having ambassadors with the, with the U.S. and uh, Belarus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's in discussion, um, and like having more meetings and like some trade. Like they they were, we were sending they were selling crude oil to them, um, which is probably like not a great economic choice. But hey, uh, but then the issue is like it depends how much Russia I think would tolerate that though. Because they can basically be like, no, the oils will be really slow coming to you now. You get some of it. Get yeah. Get oh, we've had we've had uh, you know logistics issues and piping. You know, the, so we're going to have to reduce it by fifty percent for the next three. Like they've done yeah. that kind of sort of uh, putting the squeeze on people before. So, and that's yeah, a very easy, low cost way to ratchet up the pressure where you need it. Yeah, when when you supply the energy resources to both that country and then half the continent, it's it's almost a too tempting of, you know, card to not play whenever you want something done or really just to bother people to, to as you said, lay the squeeze on them a little bit. Yeah. But 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 at the same time, if they um, if somehow either right now or later on, they do end up replacing uh, their current dictator not going to try to pronounce his name again. Um, if they do end up doing that, and then to, again, to forgive the comparisons, but if they do try to pull, say, an Armenia where, all right, we're going to have a revolution and replace the current government, but it's not like we're trying to then, you know, oppose you or be, uh, yeah. or, you know, join some other bloc that is then, you know, you see as a threat. Uh, for Armenia, they, they, the Russians then didn't really have a reaction. We're like, okay, that's cool. But then again, that was Armenia, a relatively small and 
you know, relatively further away country to Russia than, than Belarus is, which is, I mean, every time anyone has ever tried to, you know, march on Moscow, they've used the road that goes through Minsk and then straight to, uh, yeah. to uh, into Russia. Yeah, it is different, but also, like, you had in Armenia um, a situation where the opposition leader came and said, we, we also, one of the things we want is more integration with Russia um, based on historical connections and all that. So that kind of said to the, the Kremlin, okay, and they, they kind of gave them the green light after that. Mm-hmm. Um, it it so diffused any worries. Right. In this situation, like, with, with the opposition leader and many other people having fled the country, could one per, could could there even be a movement like that um, to, you know, I don't know, to sort of assuage any, like, hey, let's, like, work, you know, this guy's outlived his usefulness, let's come to some sort of conclusion to maybe have him retire with, I don't I, well, actually, I don't know, after having claiming you you just won an election with 80% of the votes cast, how, how can you double back on that? And claim that you're not going to leave unless you die. Yeah. Pulling a Chuck Norris walking off a helicopter with an AK. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am the biggest strong man. Yeah. My 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 Saddam mustache. Right. Yeah. But but then again, Saddam had a far better mustache, right? Let me just. Oh, make that for clear. sure. This this yeah. is like an impotent little caterpillar on his mm-hmm. lip. Like it's, he's kind of, it's yeah. very he's kind of a shit dictator. Soviet shoe factory boss. Yeah. Well. Uh, but like then again, a lot of dictators in a lot of different countries have claimed that they have massive popular support and that they would rather die than leave their people or leave their country. And they then get on a jet full of gold and then they fly away. So like like if you're at the point where you're thinking about abdicating or stepping down, then I mean, you're like, well, I'm going to have my plane full of art, riches and you know everything else, and then just go away. It, yeah, it, it wouldn't be the first time. If if things get bad enough, he might. They might. Russia might offer him a graceful way out, just because like the end the situation. Because like this is just annoying. Going to make things worse. You need to. We need to. You need to leave. It's like it's, well, it's time. Well, well, and if to your point exactly, if it does get bad enough, and they're like, all right, so you're you staying here is going to result in sanctions on you, probably sanctions on us, and that's a lot of a headache. How about how about you chill over there, and you know we kind of we kind of avoid this. Whole get thing. you get you a very nice dasha in Siberia. Yeah, parts of Siberia are really, really nice. Okay. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> that's like all right. That's the yeah. that's the same. In- yeah, I, I I tried. I'm sorry, Siberia. For all of our Siberian listeners, we get a couple of Russian listeners every once in a while. I'm like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> But, well, uh, we love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm yeah. very interested in what the, the Russian listeners of this think. Uh, so, yeah, comment on his Twitter if Ryan ever actually, you know, posts anything. But, um, anyway, I think that's enough for today, guys. Um, that was almost medic. Thank you very much. Bye, Thanks everybody. A lot.